0: If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. Uh, Thank you, Pastor Marr, for inviting me here. What a privilege it is to preach God's Word in a time like this. In days like this, Uh, this evening's uh, topic is the spiritual lifeline of prayer. We live in times when there is much suffering and pain and sorrow and confusion. And maybe you aren't feeling some of these things exactly right now or directly hitting you. But we live in a world right now that is in great anguish, and the future looks hard. Life is not easy for many people around the world. People are starving, there are riots, racial unrest and injustice, exploitation of every kind, COVID infections are rising and people are dying. And All these things that were bad before, all things that were bad before COVID are in some sense even worse now. So here are some statistics, statistics to, to show us some of, uh, or some of the different things that are going on, starvation and hunger. There's a hunger pandemic. I don't know if some of you know as food, food insecurity is worsening and the increase of critical levels of hunger worldwide could be up 82% from 2019. Racism and injustice is infused in our society and chances for that conversation are becoming more difficult, especially online. There's exploitation of all kinds, sexual exploitation, wars and rumors of wars, riots and brutality, Myanmar, as well as in Belfast, Ireland. Factions and anger and envy, greed, where rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Marital and family problems as a result of being isolated and tensions as we spend more time with our loved ones. Domestic abuse and even child abuse is up. Substance abuse and addictions, mental health issues and difficulties because of social isolation and, uh, and political unrest and physical issues and death. So much fear. And sometimes I pray, oh Lord, COVID has taken away some of our freedoms, our, our way of life. Oh Lord, how do we deal with some of these fears? The fear of missing out, the fear of losing out. Why do I start off with this introduction? It's because we need to see the reality of not just our own lives, but the world around us. We need to look around us and see the turmoil and pain and say, is it worth it? Is living in this world worth it? I'd rather be somewhere else. Maybe that's how you feel today. But I wasn't here to tell you the bad news. I'm here to give you some hope from the scriptures in pertaining, specifically pertaining to the spiritual discipline of prayer. Prayer. You see, in God's amazing wisdom, he taught us how to live in the midst of tumultuous times. He taught us to live by the power of his Holy Spirit. Scripture tells us in Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 17, it says, Look carefully, then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We are to live as wise citizens of the kingdom of God. First Chronicles 12 verse 32 says this. These are the sons of Issachar. They were men who had understanding of the times that they lived in, to know what Israel ought to do. 200 chiefs and all of their kinsmen under their command. They had an understanding of their times. They were ready for battle, ready for war. They understood understood that the throne was rightly David's. And they were going to fight because they understood that God had given that throne to David. God gave wisdom to the sons of Issachar in order for them to make decisions that would affect their future. You see, more than ever before, the spiritual lifeline of the church is prayer. And it's going to be prayer. It has, it has been prayer, and it's going to continue to be prayer. Jesus calls his Father's house a house of prayer. And we need to be treating this place, along with other gatherings online, uh, uh, specifically for the purpose of prayer, if we were to understand the times like the sons of Issachar to stand up and to be strong in the midst of difficulty or the instruction of Paul to make the best use of our time, we must first and foremost pray. In heaven, there's going to be lots of things, but there's not going to be two things. Evangelism, in prayer. We exist here on this earth to glorify God because we have the very salvation given to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And we have hope. Therefore, we pray. Therefore, we talk to God. Therefore, we communicate with him. Therefore, we ask him what his will is. And we evangelize. We tell others of the good news of the gospel. We pray for them. We pray for our neighbors. We give the good news of Jesus Christ to them. And we tell them, God is out on a rescue mission for you. So prayer is absolutely important. It is important for our lives. It is important for the church. And more than ever before, I want you to understand through this message that it is a matter of life and death. It is a matter, of, uh, a matter of spiritual life or spiritual death for the individual and for the church. I'll give you an example. John Piper likens it to breathing. It's like breathing. We all breathe so that we can live, but we do so subconsciously. We don't say to ourselves, I want to breathe 30 times in one minute. You just do it because your body knows that it keeps you alive. If you hold your breath for too long, you're going to faint or you're just going to go unconscious or you can die. In the very same way, do you understand that prayer is like breathing? You need it. If you hold your breath for too long, if you stop praying, if you stop calling out to God, your spiritual life will die. And part of the reason why we have COVID and, and the situation we have right now, I believe I believe so firmly, is that God is taking the training wheels off. He's taking those training wheels off and saying, are you willing to go on the bike right now? Are you willing to pray according to my ways? Or do you still want to be on training wheels? Do you believe that your spiritual lifeline is prayer? Do you believe that it is your time, our time right now to rise up and pray and establish a stronger relationship with God in a more personal way, in worship and obedience to him? Do you believe that it is your source of spiritual vitality? Do you believe that it is absolutely important for you right now? For your life now and into the future? So, what is prayer? I'll give you three points uh, of what prayer is. In order to answer this question, I'm going to go straight into scripture. And the first point is this the heart of prayer is to seek God. The heart of prayer. The very center of prayer is, what it means to pray is to seek God. You see, when you seek after something, you don't just say, okay, well, it's too far. It's inconvenient. Uh, I don't have time for that. When you seek after it, you go. You go after it. You want it. You find a treasure in the field, and you see what it is, and then you go and you sell what you have. You buy that field so that you can obtain that Field, You can obtain that treasure. That's what it means to seek God. And the heart of prayer is to seek God. It's nothing fancy. You don't have to say a ton of words. Going to God, acknowledging him, seeking him, honoring him, and speaking to him on his terms. Why do we need to go to God if he already knows everything? And this is why we go to Psalm 139 here. In the next slide. Well, before we do that, we're going to go to uh, Psalm. The Psalms. Psalm 9 verse 10 says this. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. God will not forsake you if you seek him. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after him that I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And this psalmist is saying that there is so much more, there's something so much more important in this world than just obtaining things. It is to be in the presence of God. And you can be in the presence of God through prayer. You know, you don't have to wait till heaven The presence of the Lord as you seek him is real because he is the living God. We're not praying to someone who doesn't listen. We're not praying to an idol or some sort of like, you know, mirage of something. We are praying to the very living God who answers our prayer, who hears our cry, and who does his will. And that's why we pray. And in another psalm as well, the next slide, Psalm 34, verse 10, the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. You see, young lions, they're very strong. They still hunger. You think something so powerful doesn't need all that much, but they still feel weak because they need food. But in this psalm, it reminds us those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Do you see the importance of what it means to seek God, that it generates a, a sense of, 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 of satisfaction, a sense of like protection, a sense of power by which now you are strong in him? Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no Water where there is no water. And the next slide here, it says here in Psalm 105, glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. The heart of prayer is to seek God. That's what prayer is. That's what prayer is. Jeremiah 29, verse 13 to 15 says this. We actually want to start in verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare And not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will hear you and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. The Babylonians took over Jerusalem in 586 BC, destroyed the the walls, destroyed the temple. And here's a situation where, where Jeremiah is saying, hold on one second, God has a great plan. He has a great plan. He's not against you. He is for you. But, 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 but you have to listen. You have to recognize that it is because of his grace in your life that you must seek him. Don't just sit there. Seek him. Call upon his name. And that's why it says that the very section there, I will be found by you. God wants to be found. It's so interesting. Sometimes we think that you know he, he he's coming out to us. He's he's finding us, like you know a shepherd finding a lost sheep, right? That's very true. But in Scripture here, it's reversed as well. Especially when the prophets speak of God being found. When you're in the closet and you're in the in the secret room and you're crying out to God, do you know that He wants to be found? That He will be found by you if you seek him with all your heart, with all your heart. You know, prayer is not something so um, intellectual or it's not something that is so, uh, you know, uh, heady. Prayer is expecting the Lord to hear what's on your heart. If you have no expectation of God hearing you, I don't know what kind of God you're praying to. The expectation is not because of some knowledge that you have that somehow there's a, it's good to expect. The expectation is founded on truth and the expectation is founded on the faith that you have in God. That's why you can be expectant of His answer. Scripture tells us that we, we should go into the closet and pray. We should pray not, when, when not other people are watching. We need to pray because that's when God knows exactly what's on your heart. It doesn't matter what people hear. It's what you say to the Lord that matters. It's your heart before him. It's your heart before him. So the heart of prayer is seeking God. The second point is this. The heart, the purpose of prayer is to know God, to know God. The reason why we pray is, is, is really to, uh, to, to know God. When you seek him, what do you want? You want to know him. I, I tell people, like, it took a while before I realized a lot of the seeking that I did in in my years of dating and my wife was not just seeking for no purpose. I wanted to seek to know her. I wanted to know her personality, what she loved, her faith in the Lord. I wanted to know her. And I'm continuing to know her. That's the reason why I want to seek her. The purpose of prayer is to know God, to know the Lord. You see, God knows us, but we are called to know him. God is already involved, very involved in your life. He knows you, and he is so involved, you don't even know how involved he is. The purpose of prayer is to respond to God's involvement in your life and to seek to know how he is involved, to know his character, to know his purposes, to rejoice in that knowledge. God allows for certain circumstances in our life to stir our hearts to pray. To stir our hearts to pray. Let me tell you right now. What's causing so much confusion in my life is, is knowledge. Sometimes I just don't know what is true. You hear all of this in the news. You hear the... The, the, the medical advice, you hear everything about this shutting down, that opening up, and I, I'm just like, I'm confused, and I know you, you may feel the same way, and, and, and it's at these moments that we have to stand firm on the foundation that we have a God who knows all things, amen? We have a God who not only knows all things, he knows you, he knows you, and he knows me, That is the vast love of God. And Psalm 139, we're going to go there right now. Psalm 139, if you can turn in your Bibles there, there's three sections in Psalm 139 that we need to look at. It really speaks of the amazing majesty of God. It begins here, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You have known when I sit up, when I sit down and when I rise up, his omniscience, his all-knowingness from verse 1 to verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's it's so high I cannot attain it in verse 6. That's what it says, right? So what what David is saying here is God's knowledge is up here and my knowledge is down here and it's okay. It's okay with me. Because God is omniscient. And I think one of the first things that we have to recognize that as we pray, we cannot say that that God doesn't know. Lord, I I don't know if you really understand this or know this. No, God knows. He knows. He knows before a word is on your tongue. Behold, oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind before me. You lay your hand upon me. So, David has experienced this wonderful personal knowledge that God has of him. How how many of you have experienced verse 1 to verse 6 the omniscient God who knows you? That's powerful. And second, not only is he omniscient, but he's omnipresent. Verse 7 to verse 12, right? Where shall I go from your spirit? Or, Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings in the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall uphold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me shall be night, even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Wow, there is nothing that is hidden from God. And that that is so good because he's omnipresent. Right now, he's right here. He knows and he sees all things. He sees the, the, the darkest secrets of your life and he sees what's going on right now and the words that are coming out of my mouth. God knows and he sees. He's omnipresent. And then finally, and finally, he is omnipotent. He is omnipotent. Verse 13 to verse 18 says this, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. God is so powerful. He's able to make and create And then finally, in verse 23, it says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me the way everlasting. What it means is this. Not only did God search. It says at the very beginning in chapter 139, it says, O Lord, you have searched me past tense. You have searched me, you've known me, this is your omniscience, this is your omnipotence, this is your um, omnipresence, but then in the very end, he asks for it again, and this is where we come in, okay? verse, the very end right there, in verse 23, search me, he's asking now, Lord, please search me, oh God, and know my heart, try my thoughts. I know you know my thoughts, but I want you to know it again. I want you to know me because I want to be known. I don't want to hide. I don't want to hide. I want to be known. I don't want to be known by you because I know you love me. I know you knit me together in my mother's womb. I know you are omnipresent, and I know you are omniscient. And so, therefore, everything, Lord God know me. Search me and see if there's any wicked way in me. See if there's anything that I've said in the past days that are against you on social media. Lord, I pray, search me, oh God, if I've spoken in a wrong way to my wife and my kids. Search me, oh God, and, and test my heart to see if there be lust in my heart and my eyes. Test me, oh Lord. Know me. Oh God, help us to be a church that is known by you and who desires to know you. And the next slide we have here is, oh Lord, uh, in Matthew chapter six, verse five to 15, and when you pray, Jesus teaches his... his, uh, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as do the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Prayer is about agreeing with the knowledge of God so that when you go to Him, you don't talk too much. That when you go to Him, you don't try to educate Him. He knows. He knows. So you go into the room and you and, and you and and you and you pray specifically in His name to accomplish His purposes. So the purpose of prayer is to know God, and then finally the. Um, well, we'll go through one more verse here. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Is to know his perfect will. Is to know the very perfect will of our Father. That is the purpose of prayer. The next slide here. The power of prayer is to trust God. This is my last point. The power of prayer is to trust God. There is no inherent power in prayer, but I believe in the power of prayer. Prayer doesn't accomplish anything unless it is accompanied by trust. Trust is belief put into action. When we pray, we are putting into action our belief by asking God to accomplish and reveal things that he knows is good for us and glorifying to his name. When we trust him, we are saying, God, I fear you. Your ways are higher than my ways. And I am deciding at this moment and in every other subsequent moment to lean upon you to trust you. Prayer is not duty, but delight in God. Prayer is not routine religiosity. It is daily dependence on God. It is daily dependence on God. I want you to turn your Bibles uh, with me to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, I mean, it's on the screen, but I want you to pay attention to some words, and if you'd like to underline A few words that would be really great. I'm going to read this for you. And Jesus asked his father. Not God the father. But another father. The father at the moment that he was talking to. How long has this been happening to him? He's talking about his son. And he said from childhood. And it has often cast him into a fire. And into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything. Have compassion on us. And help us. And Jesus said to him. If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him. And never enter him again. And then the next passage here, the, the last part. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? And he said to them, "This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer." If we can go back to this, the slide before, Jesus was in a situation here where his, the Father was asking was, 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 and I'm sure there were many doubts with this boy many problems. The issue that this boy had was something that no one could solve. People were fearful and afraid of of, of this boy. The man who wanted his son to be delivered said to Jesus Christ, the son of God, he said, I believe, help my unbelief. What he's saying there is, I can't believe you at this moment because my heart right now is not matching up with with my hope. I, 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 I don't know if I can fully trust you, Lord Jesus, but Lord, I want you to know. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe you, but there's unbelief in my heart right now that's causing me not to truly trust you. So the very reality of trusting God is not that you can trust God. My dad once said to me, he's like, Andrew, one of the most important things to know about in life as you have faith in in Christ is not to assume that you can trust him in all circumstances just because you're a Christian, but to ask him for that faith. Help my unbelief. Help me when I I just don't have the faith and the trust. remember my father, when we were, in 2008, when there was a housing crisis, my father lost his job. We had to sell our home. Um, It was very difficult, very stressful. And as an entire family, we sat around in, in the living room, and the very thing my dad said was, we have to ask for faith. We have to ask humbly. And that impacted me so much is because I was struggling so much. And I was saying, Lord, why is it that I am not, I, I don't have the faith. And, 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 I, and I just continued to ask God. I was like, Lord, I should be more, I should be more trusting in you. I'm failing, I'm sinning the secret is this, in this passage help my unbelief asking for faith, you see the secret of prayer and the power in prayer is not some sort of word that you say but really it's the disposition of your heart, are you willing to ask the Lord or are you just saying no I got it I got it, I got it it, Lord I can trust you, I can trust you but it's moments like this where like, no it's so hard to trust you God I want to admit, and just like Psalm 139 says, search me, know me, and know if there be any wicked way in me. Right now, my heart is filled with unbelief, even though I say I trust you. So maybe you're going through a situation, a circumstance right now, and you're saying, Lord God, I don't have that trust. I can't have this faith. And somehow, as a Christian, I feel guilty for not having it. God says, I welcome you, just ask me. And it will be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Just ask me. Ask me for that faith. Trust me. Trust me. You see, the disciples should have prayed, but they didn't. They tried to cast out the demon on their own. They didn't do that. No one else around them, never, you know, was praying. The only person that was praying was the son's father. The only person that was praying that was the son's father. And the son's father basically said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And that's why at the very last verse, if we can get to that slide, the very last verse, the disciples privately asked, why, why, why can't we do this? Why don't we have the power and then Jesus said to them, this kind cannot be driven out but by anything but prayer. And little did they know that the very prayer that Jesus was talking about was the prayer of the Father. It was just a few words. And God answered. So maybe today you're thinking, it's so hard to trust God, and I wish I had that power, because I know that the power of prayer is in trusting God. Maybe the first step is this. It's just to recognize that you don't have that trust. And just to say, Lord, please give me that trust once again. Restore my soul. Renew my heart. Create in me a clean, non-religious heart. A clean heart that loves you and that worships you and that trusts you. Help me, oh. found in the eloquence of speech or in cohesive Find community. It's hard to actually be in community because I'm not physically with people. And I'm an extrovert. It's a problem. And he said to me, he's like, well sometimes it's me, my Lord, and my thoughts. And that's all you got. teaches us how to pray your word shows us that we can go to you that we find comfort in knowing that you are in control tear down O oh Lord our pride the self righteousness that so often pervades our speech and our attitudes and help us to be humble children coming before your throne knowing that you are loving and that you provide all things for your children, including faith. And help us, oh Lord, to take the training wheels off. or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.